Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's podcast. We've got another very exciting weekend of Investec Champions Cup action to look back on. And with the Gallagher Premiership back this weekend, there's lots of rugby to discuss. Joining me to do just that is the familiar face of Steve Cording. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm very well, Lawrence. Familiar face and familiar voice as well, I guess. Just about. Yeah. How was your weekend? I was over in Poland. Yes, you've heard it here. Warsaw, Poland, uh, in a... TNT, Warner Brother Discovery Studio. I was going to say, before we get to the rugby, what was going on in Poland this weekend? Because it looked like, number one, Saturday night you were having a lot of fun in the snow still, and then on Sunday, was it Mr Brian O'Driscoll's birthday and you had McDonald's? Well, I mean, second prize was to go, was to fly out to Poland. First prize, I mean, poor Brian O'Driscoll, to be honest with you. Now, look, it is what it is. They were, they were um, renovating the studios at Stockley Park, um, and uh, we shall be back there, I'm sure, in the future. But uh, in the meantime, Warner Brothers have got a place in, in Poland. Um, it was up to about minus five or six in Poland. Ooh. So uh, it, uh, it was cold, it was snowing, but we were the hub to host all the European games. And of course, there was some amazing action across the weekend. Didn't get to go out for Brian's birthday last night then, as I guess no, you were. No, well, no, we, we couldn't get, we couldn't really, because we were in the studio all the way through to that final game, which was Bayonne and getting their first European Champions Cup win against Exeter. Mm. But what I, what I loved about it, there was so much jeopardy in, in the whole four rounds, uh, certainly in, in rounds three and four, the last two weekends, where I think at the beginning of the weekend, Stade Francais were the only team out of all of the teams that couldn't qualify. And then by the end, we were still deciding between Exeter whether they would finish, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever. So I thought it's a great format. Um, <laughs> I love the way I keep punctuating the conversation with questions about your birthday antics and you keep coming back with answers about well, the rugby. Well, well, it was Brian O'Driscoll's birthday. <laughs> I mean, I've got to tell you. you oh, tell me about this one then. The, the the picture of you in the bath with your knobbly knees. Was that before or after you went out? That, that, was, after, that after was after we've been out. I mean, it was it's so cold that I got back to the hotel and thought, you know what? It's not often I've, I spy a bath that I can actually fit in for a start. And it was it was freezing, uh, absolutely freezing cold. Are those those cyclist legs? Then are they now? They must be with those <laughs> knees. You took a collection of your new bike. Look, we must mention Cycle Slam. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm, doing the works. A, well, I'm doing the final Delalio Cycle Slam, which is a um, you know another whatever it is two thousand kilometer adventure across Europe, cycling from Rome to Nice in ten days in April to raise money for Rugby Works, my charity that, that funds uh, the young kids that we work with who've been excluded from mainstream education. And yeah, I've uh, done very little training. So Have you done I'm, any? <laughs> I'm very, very concerned at the moment that I'm uh, I'm going to struggle. But That bike looked fantastic. That yeah, I went down to Trek to down in yeah. Bracknell. The, the, the guys at Trek have really looked after me. I mean, look, anyone who, who's seen me, I, 
I'm not the size I used to be. I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not the rugby player I used to be. But I got on the scales the other day and I'm still 112 kilos, which in... What's that in old money? In old money is, uh, well, it's between 17 and 18 stone, but it's closer to 18, I would what say. What were you when you played? About the same, actually. About the same? Yeah, but there was a bit more muscle rather than fat. <laughs> um, and I don't go up hills very quickly, but I'm going to give it a go because Trek have found me a bike that uh, I believe is uh, is going to take me up those hills in, in, in light speeds. So. Well, we will put out your Just Giving account number because it's a fantastic uh, charity and a great court and a big effort to do that so people can sponsor you if yes. they want to. and April will be just about the time that, uh, that the last 16 um, kick oh, off again. Oh, lovely segue. There are some tasty ties to look forward to, but uh, uh, ironically, there's... Some games, obviously, that we saw at the weekend, which obviously doesn't happen in football, but in rugby, I guess it's just yeah, a peculiar I mean, way that it's fallen. I mean, first of all, let's reflect on some of the games over the weekend. I thought the performance of Saracens, who have been on the ropes of late, Owen Farrell on his way out and, and heading over to France, Jamie George, just been named England captain, but the performance of Maritoji in that game against Lyon, because they really were on the ropes. On that game, can I just say, another thing that struck me was, do you think it was fair that... Bristol played on Friday night and Saracens play on Saturday. Well, I mean, it's just the way it is, the way that competition goes, really. I mean, Exeter had the opportunity at the end to decide who they played against. Well, exactly. Really. But should the pools, but it's uh, always the been final like fixtures in the pools be played on the same day? No, because we're broadcasting and we can't be in the same place at the same time, can we? <laughs> so, you know, you, you can't have your cake and eat You've it. Got, TNT, every, have got, every, TNT have got four channels. If I'm a rugby fan, right, I want to watch every game. Yeah. Okay, I don't want to watch one game and then record another one. I want to watch them live as they're, as they're happening. So I think staggering games over the weekend is absolutely... Absolutely the right way. Admittedly, I remember in the year that we went on to win the cup uh, in 2003-04, we played a pool match against Perpignan and it was the final pool match of that weekend and we'd scored three tries and we knew that if we scored a fourth that we would play um, Gloucester at home in a quarterfinal instead of Stade Francais. So, and Exeter had that opportunity, but Bayon didn't read the script and Bay- Bayon decided that they would be the ones that would determine who Exeter would play. I mean, I think when it comes down to it, I see what you're saying, Steve, but the reality is Bristol lost the game in Connacht, not because they kicked off before Saracens, but they had Josh Caulfield, the second row, sent off. Well, and that's uh, another one. Was that, was that a fair decision? I mean, it was an I, accident, wasn't it, it? No, it wasn't an accident. When someone's uh, foot lands on your head, that's not an accident. And let's be honest, it's quite dangerous. I mean, he, they were lucky he never took his eye out. I don't think it was intentional, of course. You could say it's either clumsy which I think it was, it's either reckless, which I think is the extreme, or I think it's careless. Now, I always side on the players because I had plenty of boots on the head, um, mainly because people didn't like me, not because they accidentally or clumsily hit me. But I think when he, as he approaches the breakdown, he actually gets a boot in the face from his own player, Carl Sinclair, and that destabilises him as he jumps over the, the breakdown. He didn't mean to stamp on Finley no. Be- Beelham's head. And thankfully, Finley Beelham has, has got up and he's okay and... I don't think Connacht helped by putting, you know, their post-match sort of, um, you know, image of his head. I mean, you don't need to. The optics of rugby need to change. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not. It's not great doing things like that because I noticed across the weekend, and I suppose I probably would have done this as a player as well. There are players asking referees to to give opposition players cards. Um, yeah, Antoine Dupont was doing that. Yeah, wasn't he? well, Dupont and and a number of other it? players saying, you know, appealing for high tackles and. 
And I mean, look, we said we would never go down the route of football. Uh, reluctantly, I'm afraid to say we are. Um, I think then there still needs to be the players and, and everyone in the game, including all of us who, who are involved, need to remind ourselves of the gentleman's code that exists in, uh, yeah, in, in do our you, sport. Do you think that's come about as a big word now, proliferal? I can't even say proliferation, proliferation of uh, red and yellow cards that referees are now giving out that players are appealing more well for I mean listen we've, we, you've all got your own views at home when you're listening to this um, I am of the opinion that we have to make our game safer I think we are making it safer I think we have to be pretty uh, heavy on, on uh, foul play and stamp it out if that's the right expression probably not um, and then <laughs> unfortunate <laughs> expression yeah that wouldn't be necessarily the right no, expression to I use I know what you mean but you yeah. know what I mean um, I just think the um, the optics of rugby need to change you know I, I keep watching and I'm and I'm a broadcaster we, we're showing head on head collisions in slow motion time and time again mm. uh, I really don't like it I think when a Formula 1 driver has a crash I think they show it once they don't show it 58 times the optics of talking about it obsessively, I think he's damaging our sport. Let's change the optics and talk about some really exciting things like the quality of the rugby on show. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what I did. Uh, I mean, that try by Andrew Smith that wasn't given, I mean, I watched that over and over again. I mean, it was minuscule, wasn't it? We see so many tries now with the wingers who get that ball and are diving with the ball, their arm out wide, aren't they? It's clearly something yeah, that's being I, practiced, I couldn't understand. It? I, yeah, it is. And I mean, listen, your job as a winger is to score tries. So, mm. I mean, Sean Edwards, when we were at Wasps, he, he had a real cool put down drill and uh, <laughs> I think it's, it does what it says on the tin isn't it really and and obviously um, everyone had to practice the art of scoring a try because more and more so now you know you want coaches to coach you things that actually happen on the field mm. not things that happen imaginary in their head or in textbooks and scoring a try is quite an important skill <laughs> and for wingers it's a really important skill and I thought that was actually a try because the referee said try but then they couldn't find any reason not to award it, but they still didn't award it. I know, I didn't get that Anyway, I didn't get that. Anyway, didn't get that. It's, no. it's it was the try of the weekend, but unfortunately yeah. it wasn't given. So the other performances that obviously stand out, you'd have to say Northampton Saints, who, oh. again, unbeaten, coming back. Mm. Um, they've now actually got Munster to play again in the round of 16. Yeah, um, I mean, but, Northampton Saints, have, uh, I mean, it was a very, it was a famous victory for a number of reasons. They've been trying five times to beat Munster mm. away and they haven't managed to. So it's the first attempt in five. The conditions were atrocious. It's hard to win at Thoman Park with 15 men. It's even harder to win with 14. Now, yeah. Curtis Langdon sent off with a red card just before half time. I thought Courtney Laws, I mean, Steve Borthwick must be outside Courtney Law's house with a megaphone begging him to come back from international back. rugby because yeah. he just been out of this world. He was a player of the match again. Mm. I thought the performance of Finn Smith, uh, he's the other Smith in this kind of... Uh, yeah, who's, who's favourite number 10, Marcus or Finn? Well, listen, at the moment, Marcus Smith is probably that player who's that little bit further down his journey. But if you were analysing their games, I think Finn Smith, longer term, has got... The sort of skill set, I think, that is probably better suited to international rugby. And now and people are going <laughs> to scream and shout at me. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that, that uh, Marcus Smith is, is not an international player. I just think that uh, he, he showed a maturity, uh, Finn Smith, beyond his years. You know, when in the conditions, he, he made sure he kept Northampton on the front foot. Um, so, listen, I think they're both outstanding players. I think uh, 
Steve Borthwick could probably pick George Ford now. I need to start. <laughs> after saying all that. <laughs> so after saying yeah. all that, knowing the way that they that England play under Steve and his coaches. Do you know what? Let's just go back to this England squad for a second. There are two glaring omissions in the back row. One is Jack Willis, yeah. uh, who's playing in France, who's just extended his contract by a year. Outstanding performance yesterday. And the, and the, the other one is that Mercer. I think they yeah. should both be in that squad. Um, you can't have everyone in there. But uh, I saw you talking about Jack Willis in the TNT highlights show. Uh, it is a difficult one because of the qualification rule. Why is it I difficult? Mean, well, well I mean, no, I mean, in terms... It's just it, change the rules. Well, it has to change, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it I mean, it, it Wales have on. changed their rules. Uh, Australia have changed theirs. New Zealand, of all people, are, are talking about changing theirs, even talking about it for the first time. The financial landscape in this game of rugby is not the same as it was a few years ago. There are, on average, eight test matches a year. Maybe in a big year, there might be 10 or 12. There are 40 club games a year. So uh, you're not guaranteed to get picked for any of those test matches. And also, the idea that every single English player is going to go out to France. France have got a GIF quota system as well, which they never used to have in place. So... The French want French people playing in their league, but they do want one or two you know, players from overseas. Now, I just think they need to change that law immediately. Otherwise, they're going to make international rugby in England less attractive than club rugby around the world. You can look at it as a double-edged sword. Lose control of the players. Well, England and the RFU have never had control of their players anyway. So, Or do they become more rounded players? Do they have a better rugby experience? Do they learn about you know different cultures, different resilience? So they have to change that law and they have to change it quickly. And I think that if you were Steve Borthwick, I'm sure he wants it to change. Well, I'm sure as well that if your idea of players having a sabbatical was brought in and they were allowed to do it and the qualification rule was changed, then more would do it. They'd, they'd take a year out, then they'd come back, but they would know that their international future where, where wouldn't it, be where affected. Do you think it is? Where do you think it stands legally? I mean, it's is it a restraint of trade? Could it be challenged? Is, is it a restraint of trade? Because at the moment, it seems to be a cartel question. of, of mm. one governing body and uh, and... 10 clubs now telling you you can't go and play your trade uh, abroad. I guess it's ultimately it's up to the RFU who they pick for England, but the fact that they're not picking players who are playing in France is a restraint of trade. The concern for me is that it's putting players off wanting to play for their country and playing for your country should be the greatest honour and, and should be something that you aspire to. And I don't subscribe to the view that all of our best players will go abroad because no. it's not for everyone. No, it's not, no. Um, should we look at what the round of 16 has uh, produced yeah. for us then? So we've got, the games will be Toulouse against Racing, Exeter against Bath, Quinns against Glasgow, Bordeaux against Saracens, and then on the other half of the draw, we've got Leinster against Leicester, Stormers against La Rochelle, Northampton against Munster, and the Bulls against Lyon. Now, given that we've got one from each side of those coming through to the final. We're sort of shaping up for potentially an all-French final, are we, do you think? Well, the French have, uh, have, have certainly, you know, come back into this competition. To lose, without shadow of a doubt, the standout team in yeah. terms of their quality, but can they produce that same quality without Anton Dupont, who will uh, be with the French Sevens team? I'm not sure he's going to make himself available for any more of that. Leinster mm. are, without doubt, another team that are, are very capable of winning. La Rochelle looks dead and buried after two rounds and um, no one wants to play La Rochelle now because they are just a juggernaut mm. the uh, you know phenomenal phenomenal players Northampton Saints I mean they wouldn't have even been in the equation you know a few years ago but having gone four from four and what's changed there well Sam Vesti and Phil Dowson are obviously very astute young coaches who really understand where they're moving to. The Northampton game in attack has got the fingerprints of Chris Boyd all over it, mm. the, the former New Zealand coach who's gone back to New Zealand. But what they've done is they brought in Lee Radford, 
from Rugby League and they've now got a, a team that can play both sides of the ball. So the way that they defended against, you know, Munster and some of these other teams like Glasgow was was magnificent. So mm. really excited. They're going to be played on the 5th, uh, 6th and 7th of April. What do you think are the premiership team? We'll, we'll touch on in a minute because obviously the premiership is back uh, this weekend, but there'll only be three rounds of premiership games before the round of 16, whereas there's going to be eight rounds in the top 14. I mean, does that put the premiership teams at a disadvantage? No, I don't because you've got this small thing called the Six Nations that's happening mm, in between and true. most of the players, the leading superstars of all these teams will be playing in the Six Nations and this European competition is, is two phases really. There's qualifying and all these teams are now qualified but you can't really assess each team's chances until all of those players have come through the Six Nations. Because mm. if they lose one or two players to injury during that tournament, then suddenly the prospects of Leinster or La Rochelle become a very different one. So you've got to get your players through that tournament. And don't forget, it's a seven-week tournament now, the Six Nations. So, you know, it's going to be tough on, on the players. You've got club sides who basically have got no games now, really, for uh, for that period, so they can go off and have some warm weather training. And There's a lot of friendlies being organised. And, and organised, yeah. yeah. I'll be, I'll be organising a... A friendly few weeks in Dubai, I think, or a friendly few weeks in, uh, you know, you've been players have been crying out for a rest, yeah. you know, and and they got the, the, yeah, but clubs are their own worst enemies because when players need a rest, they organise games. It's just kind yeah. Of well, like, I think well, there's that balance, isn't there? But mm. listen, I'm massively excited about the competition. It's really, really exciting. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Well, European rugby is now on hold until April, but with the Six Nations on the horizon and the Premiership back in action at the weekend, there's plenty of rugby news and views to chat about. So let's welcome no other than the Evening Standards rugby correspondent, Nick Puruel, to the pod. Nick, how are you, sir? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, Nick, so the new eight-part Netflix series, Full Contact, is released on 24th of Jan, which is today. We're recording on Monday, but it's out on Wednesday. It's made by the same people who did Drive to Survive. Nick, you were at the launch last week. What were your thoughts on what you saw, and do you think it's going to help boost the popularity of the game? Having rugby on a global 
streaming platforms such as Netflix, the impact of that can't be underestimated. And I think where this will hopefully bring new people into the sport is casual viewers who might just turn it on and think, well, I don't really know much about rugby, but this looks interesting. And here are some colourful characters. Here are some guys, you know, like Marcus Smith. These are some striking people, you know, Andrew Porter, great hairstyle, kind of interesting backstory, you know, characters that hopefully potentially people who might know nothing about the sport at all, but they might identify with the individuals and then through the stories of the individuals become interested in, in rugby and think, well, I want to find out more about that. And I think for people who are already fans of rugby and follow the game closely, this series might not be groundbreaking for them just because they might not learn so much new because obviously it covers last year's tournament but in the way that drive to survive brought lots of new eyes and lots of attention to f1 and people who are sort of aficionados on other sports found themselves watching drive to survive thinking oh actually there are loads of backstories in f1 i knew nothing about and lots of the players have been saying that they found that with with drive to survive lots of the rugby players and so i think this can have the same impact for rugby and i think it's an important step in the right direction pretty much every sport has something like this on Netflix and it's important that rugby has it there. This series is obviously going live now and the cameras are following the teams again this season. If you've seen NFL Hard Knocks, I mean, uh, unbelievably, they've just done an in-season with the Miami Dolphins, which actually was just a week behind. So they were playing at the weekend and then the following week you could watch the documentary yeah, the NFL, and what was the happening. NFL, with all due respect, get it. I mean, you could interview players. Uh, they let you into the changing room. They let players use their own Instagram and Facebook and, and all their various social channels. Rugby is light years behind. Because the only way that this um, full contact, and look, I, I, I'm looking forward to watching it, but it needs access. It needs access to things that, that, that they wouldn't get access to. Now, from my, my understanding, uh, there was a lot of nervousness in the, in, the, in the filming of this particular series, the first series. And I think the first series is probably the most important one because you know what people are like now. You're fighting for their attention, particularly when you're watching stuff. Drive to Survive, the first series was out of this world. It was also... A, a perfect storm because it was everyone was locked in their house in COVID, so they had an opportunity to watch it. But I think I'm not sure Ireland, France, and England necessarily played ball, um, so to speak. Excuse the pun with 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 the cameras. I think the Italians were well. I mean, they love the camera, don't they? Really, so you can you would know you could interview the Italians. I think they gave the Six Nations uh, cameramen as much access as possible. And I just think what we're really looking for is is uh, as you say the characters. And what was so great about Drive to Survive is it wasn't necessarily the drivers um, who were the some of the real personalities. It's understanding rugby, understanding what goes on behind the scenes, understanding that it's not quite as glamorous as perhaps it's portrayed to be at times. And uh, and that's what people will watch. And, and I hope it goes well. I've spoken to Andrew Porter. And one of the things that Andrew Porter, he's interviewed extensively for this. And he has spoken openly about, he's always struggled with his mental health, he's saying. And he had problems with his eating when he was young. And how he got on top of that was he went to the gym, started lifting weights, and he got in shape. And he speaks really openly in this documentary, really candidly about the fact that he does struggle and that's okay. And that he's somebody who, he's a massive guy, he's in great shape, he's got one of the best jobs in the world and he'll freely admit that, but he still has bad days. And, and he he's quite candid about the need to do that to try to say to other people look everyone has difficulties and, and that's just life and and I think one of the things that some of the players found was they were kind of saying to the cameraman yeah you can follow me wherever you want it's going to be quite boring because we don't really do a lot when we're in the camp and we're doing these things and but there are these little insights in there that are really I think important and I think it's great to see Andy Porter speak so openly and candidly about those things Marcus Smith is featured and uh, Finn Russell's featured and, you know, there's shots of Finn Russell and his family just talking about matches around the kitchen table and those sorts of things. And I think 
in rugby in general, there is this understanding, like Lawrence is saying, that they have to open it up and they have to let people in to grow the game because, like we say, the NFL is light years away. American sports coverage is light years away. There is an understanding, but there is also that reticence as well. And I think the players, the younger players, are keen to do it on their terms, in the right terms. I think there are some elements they probably still want to try and keep private, which you can understand. But I think the game is getting slowly better at working out where the line is between what it should give away and what it should keep to itself and this is a definitely a big step in the right direction there's definitely some interesting things in there even for you know diehard supporters of rugby and for people who don't really know anything about the game i think it's a really helpful companion piece if you watched it alongside the matches that are happening this season as this obviously charts last season then i think that's probably a really good way to get a, a window into some of the characters and what happens behind the scenes really yeah well we were well, last week well, i mean we mentioned the nfl we're, we're, after we recorded um, obviously the news came out that lewis Reese summit had decided to join the nfl or go on the international players program um, which i have to say at first i thought was an april fool but uh, clearly wasn't what do you think of that move i've been watching the nfl all weekend we're up to championship weekend now coming up We've got Chiefs, Ravens, Lions and 49ers left low. Did you know that? Well, I knew the Chiefs beat the Bills. That was a, that was a that surprise. Was some, some game, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, so we're both big fans. So we'd love to see Lewis Rizamic playing in the NFL. Do you think it's a possibility? I mean, I can commend him for his bravery in terms of deciding that if he was going to try, that this is the best time to do it. Because I, I totally agree with that. Because I think he's still young. His best years are ahead of him. It's a shot to nothing in some respects, isn't it? Because if he goes and if it doesn't work, he's still young enough and capable enough to come back and pick up where he's left off with his rugby. And everyone in rugby would, would respect that and welcome him back with open arms. But as we talked about before, I think off air, it's so difficult for even people who've grown up in the American football system to make it in the NFL, that for somebody to come from outside the system without those years and years and years of understanding of game systems, of plays, of of everything that goes with it, and even muscle memory ways you move and ways you run it's a one in a million shot i think and that's not to say that he can't do it because i think that sounds ridiculous and, and unfair because we know that lewis free summit is a phenomenally gifted and talented athlete and especially a rugby player but transferring that from rugby to nfl is very difficult what position would you have played long if you're an nfl player well, if i'd have eaten a couple more a, people okay. i probably would have um tight end tight end i think i probably yeah did. just for the name really more than anything else tight, <laughs> <laughs> very good i'm the first one to the bar not the low, definitely not a tight end but uh no listen i, I think I, I made some comments on the social i think good luck to him i mean when you're looking at opportunities in sport you know you're not comparing like with like I don't think when I was playing rugby professionally, there were those kind of offers. Certainly not for me, but I don't think for many players, really. Mm. The kickers, maybe, that was kind of it. But there's a cynical part of me that says that NFL is growing in Europe. Brett Gosper, who's the CEO of NFL Europe, former CEO of Rugby Union. I think that the noise that it creates... You know, of any rugby player or any sportsman um, going uh, you know, across to America on the pathway, I think drags a number of, you know, Lewis Rees-Zamet fans, Gloucester fans, rugby fans away from rugby necessarily and, and watching it. But, uh, you know, he's a, a captain international. I don't know what he's paid at Gloucester or, or where he was going to move to afterwards, but I would imagine that the, the financial incentives for the NFL pathway are, are pretty comparable. I mean, if you make it onto the roster, you, you get up to £750,000. Mm. That's just if we're being on the roster, not even on the team. So mm. I think there is opportunities. And, uh, you know, he uh, 
he's a skillful player, so so why not? I mean, good luck to him. If he if he doesn't make it, then uh, I'm sure he'll be back. Alex Gray, who was one of the first guys who, who had a crack at it from London Irish, he's now a gladiator, you know, on TV. Christian Wade, I think Christian Wade went to America with a view that he wanted to play in a specific position. Uh, I think he had a slight disagreement of opinion with the position that they wanted him to play. He wanted to be a wide receiver, didn't he? And they uh, and they had him down as a running back, or the other way around. I can't quite remember which which way it worked out. But I think uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think Lewis Rizamit's got a great opportunity. There are one or two players that um, well look at um, Emmanuel Maafu. He went the other way, isn't he? <laughs> He's yeah. gone from the big second row, who I think is going to be one of the stars, by the way, of the Six Nations. He's been ruled out today, injured, oh. hasn't he? Missing the first game. Well, yeah. he's missing the first game. First game. This is a shame, but uh, I think he's going to be a real, a real sort of name that will emerge if he if he uh, stays injury free. So, Nick, you've been chatting to Jamie George, the New England captain, at today's Six Nations launch. What did Jamie have to say about becoming England captain? And also, what is he hoping to achieve in the Six Nations, which starts in a couple of weeks? So Jamie was talking about the England captaincy in terms of it being the biggest achievement of his life, actually, not just his rugby career. You know, it's a proud moment for him and his family. And he's saying how he can't wait to lead the team out in Rome. It's going to be a special day. When he talks in such comfortable, clear terms, it really hits home what it means, actually, to just a, a normal human being, to captain the England team. It's realising a, a lifelong dream. And I think it's really great when somebody like Jamie George, with all his experience and all his caps, can look at it through those kinds of eyes after such a long time and with lots of things having happened. Yes, he's had a great deal of success in his career, but also there's been a few setbacks along the way. But the fact that he can still have that kind of genuine excitement, warmth and enjoyment for it and love of it and get that across really clearly, I think that's one of the reasons why he is the captain. Steve Borthwick talked a lot about seeing a different England, wanting to see a different England. And I think uh, Jamie George's understanding of that. And I think there's a balance here between England moving on and trying to play more attacking rugby and sticking to the bedrocks of what helped them be successful at the World Cup. But certainly, Jamie George is someone who wants to play attractive rugby, attacking rugby, and aggressive rugby. And I think that's what England are, are looking to do here. And I think that's what he's going to try to, to bring through. Well, Nick, thanks for joining us and giving us uh, all of your news and views and great insight. And we'll catch up with you next week. So the Premiership is back in action at the weekend. Uh, Leicester visit Harlequins on Friday night. Looking forward to that one. Uh, Saturday, we'll see Northampton against Newcastle. Uh, We've also got a West Country derby between Bristol and Bath. And then Exodus Chiefs are heading to Saracens. And the weekend is rounded off on Sunday with Gloucester at home against Sale on Sunday. Big game for Gloucester, that though, isn't it? In the wake of Rhys Summit that we just talked about with Nick leaving. But they've not managed a premiership win since round two back in October. Gosh, can't believe that. Gloucester are topping their table in the European Challenge Cup with four wins from four. Probably a good time to play Sale at the moment. Yeah, I think so. Um, Sale uh, have been struggling a little bit. And, uh, and look, I've watched a lot of Gloucester this year. Uh, they they were one penalty away from beating Exeter Chiefs and and I think there's probably two or three of those games they could have easily won so suddenly they get a couple of wins back to back a few players uh, Hastings is back Ackerman's back uh, Mercer I think they're looking and, and playing a lot better and I think that confidence is starting to come so who knows what might happen there Where are you heading this weekend for TNT Sports? Uh, I am going to Saracens to watch Saracens against Exeter and uh, really excited about that game. A special call out to 
the Newcastle Falcons, who ended a 14-match uh, losing streak by beating Perpignan in the Challenge Cup. They did. Uh, and very excited, I'm And sure. they've now got a new uh, interim director of rugby. Yeah, Steve Diamond Steve takes Diamond. over from Alex Codling. Good choice. Yeah, listen, I, I think Alex has, has felt like he's taken the team as, as far as he can there. It's ironic, isn't it? Suddenly, the news that someone else comes in and, and they get a win. Mm. So, I don't know. It's great to see Newcastle winning. It's not a nice place playing rugby when you're losing every single week. But uh, I shall be at uh, the Stonex. So excited about that one. But that's all for this week. My thanks to Steve and to Nick. And with a special thanks to VoxPod Studios for hosting us so wonderfully. We'll be back next week. And until then, thanks for listening and goodbye. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 